Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. So in Australia, we've just released the restrictions this week. So it was this week okay. and it started uh, yesterday and I noticed that people were out in cafes and streets were just streaming with people. It was surreal and uh, yes. it's a nice sunny day here in, in Sydney where um, uh, some of our attendees are from. Mm-hmm. It's Thank nice you. to get that sense of freedom, but there was also... We also felt a sense of freedom when we did go into shutdown, strangely enough. I don't know what happened psychologically, but a lot of people felt like there was no pressure, no pressure to return calls, emails, to work. Excellent. But um, look, we'll uh, we'll kick it off. So firstly, um, I want to mention that there's a lot of people that would know who Jim Quick is. So... Uh, He needs no introduction, but I just want to tell everyone that in an ever-growing world where information is flowing faster than the speed of thought, really our ability to expand the capacity of our mind is now essential, absolutely. I I felt like we crossed that. I felt like we're on that cusp of evolutionary change in the last couple of years, and it's no longer survival of the fittest. I think it's survival of the smartest. And, you know, how you define smart comes down to how well you focus, how well you think, how well you study, how well you recall, and how well you read. And we've been told for many decades that our brains are a source of limitless potential, but nobody has ever come along and shown us step by step, you know, how to tap into that limitless potential of our mind. And... So, Jim, when I ask you to, um, you know, come on this episode of A Higher Branch and talk to our communities because I see, like, your book is really a, a defining book. It's amazing. I've read it from cover to cover. I love the structure. Uh, I love the methods, the models in it. And it does, it actually does help you get smarter. On that note, uh, Jim, welcome and thank you for writing such an incredible book, which is a culmination of so many years of wisdom. Sam, it's it's a real pleasure again to be here uh, with with your community and uh, and you know especially during this time. So um, I'm excited to to jump right into it and uh, and I encourage people to take notes if uh, if you feel so inclined. And my goal is to give you some some really some practical things you could do. So when we come out of this. We could be stronger. We could feel smarter. We could um, we could have our best foot forward. Awesome. Now I know there's uh, a lot of uh, executives that are listening uh, to this right now, and who are also parents. So I want to approach this from the point of view of teens and uh, students as well. You know, I I employ close to three hundred people, and I uh, uh, spoke at a conference about three years ago, and I said to a lot of executives that. You know, we upgrade our computers every year in our offices. And I said, the biggest upgrade you can make is to those supercomputers of the minds of the people that are sitting and walking through your offices. 
So for me, for me personally, the book will be distributed to all, all my team because I want them to upgrade uh, their mind and not just for you know, the business purposes and business objectives, yeah. uh, but uh, I want them to make an impact in their personal lives and I want to lift the average. And the, the thing that struck me first about your book is how you identified the supervillains that limit our brains. I, I really loved how you called that out. Do you want to just uh, call sure. out those four supervillains? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so I believe that some of the forces that hold us back are driven by technology. And, and, I, and I have a deep appreciation for technology. It allows this to happen right now. We live in an exciting time. Um, sometimes we, we take it for granted that we have so much, we have access, unfettered access to the world's information. But along with that, it, help, it helps amplify also some of the things that might add undue stress on our minds and our, and our, and our, and our, our peace uh, for ourselves, for our families, and also for our teams also as well. So I talk about four uh, digital supervillains, the, the, the horsemen, if you will, of the, uh, not, not the uh, mental apocalypse, but it definitely has an, an effect on our, our own mental health and mental performance. And so the first one is digital deluge. And I tend to alliterate everything and use mnemonics and, and use the same letters to help them become very easy to remember. But the, the reason why, I make, why we go through these four is, is First, it's awareness, knowing that they exist so that we know that it's something that we can deal with, uh, so they're not invisible to us. So digital deluge is this information overwhelm, this information anxiety. Nowadays, the, the amount of information is doubling at dizzying speeds, and how can you catch up? Because how we learn it and process it and apply it hasn't changed a lot. So we live in an exponential world, but we still use traditional learning methods, and that growing gap creates a lot of stress. They call it information anxiety, higher blood pressure, compression of leisure time, more sleeplessness. And so it really disrupts things. And so that's why you mentioned we teach five superpowers. We, two of those that overcome digital deluge is, is speed reading and also the study techniques. So to, those are the superpowers to handle that, that supervillain, if you will. The second one besides digital deluge is digital distraction. How do you maintain your, your level of concentration to get things done in a world full of rings and pings and dings, and social media alerts and app notifications? How do you concentrate? So that's why we talk about the power of focus in the book. Um, and then you have digital deluge, digital distraction. You have digital dementia, which is a new term in healthcare where um, doctors and researchers are finding we're outsourcing our memories to our, these external memory devices. And uh, these smart devices keep our to-dos, our, our calendars. It, it remembers all the numbers for us. And uh, not that, you know, I mean, how many phone numbers, Sam, did you know, you know, did you use to remember? You know, oh, pretty yeah. much yeah. <laughs> just all of them. But then how many phone numbers do we know now? Maybe one or two or three. At, at best, and not that you want to memorize 200 numbers, but it should be concerning we've lost the ability to remember one or a PIN number or a conversation we just had or something we we're going to say or a meeting, you know, or, or someone's name. I believe in business and also in life, two of the most costly words are I forgot. I forgot to do it. I forgot to bring it. I forgot to say okay, all those things. We lose time. We lose, we lose some trust. Um, you know, maybe uh, hurt a, a relationship. So that's why the largest chapter in the book is actually on human memory which I happened to write in, uh, in Greece because I found I, I wanted to not only base limitless based on the latest uh, brain science towards accelerated learning and human performance, I also wanted to know what did 
ancient cultures do before there were printing presses, before there were uh, you know, this, you know, computers to store information. And I found out that the, the mother of memory, the goddess of memory, her, her children were the nine muses of science, literature, and art. So the mother of science, literature, and art is, is memory and so important. So I wrote the book there in, in Greece and uh, where a lot of these uh, techniques were really birthed and uh, put that in the chapter to help people with digital dementia. And then finally, besides digital deluge, digital distraction, digital dementia, we have digital deduction. And digital deduction is a term that I just, I coined because uh, I realized that working with uh, clients, you know, everyone from uh, children with learning difficulties to aging seniors that are um, at risk of uh, dementia. I, I lost my grandmother to Alzheimer's, so it's, it's, I'm very passionate about it. We actually donate 100% of all the author proceeds to this book to educational charities and Alzheimer's research, 100% of what, what comes to me. Um, so very passionate about it. The digital deduction is they're finding children I don't have the analytical ability of previous generations the, and, they, and they suggest of the research is that because of technology is doing the thinking for us. And so because technology just tells you, you know, what to eat or what, you know, this is recommended or fake news or technology where we don't have to think. So we don't have to develop critical thinking skills, divergent uh, creative thinking skills, um, uh, rash, be able to rationalize. And uh, those are incredibly important uh, superpowers to have today. And that's why we do a whole another chapter on, um, on thinking. And so those are the four supervillains I wanted to call out so that we see how it's affecting us individually and also our families and also our, our businesses, our teams. Because you're right, we are the, 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 the asset that is for entrepreneurs, for those who are managing teams or a family, you know, it's this collective, you know, mind power of, of the group. Jim, just, just on that to digress, do you have a, uh, a program for teams? Have you... Uh, I remember a couple of years ago when I spoke with you, you said you were developing one or maybe you had already developed one. Do you actually yeah. have one? So we, we train for teams specifically. So we, we do a lot of training, um, in-person training. We're putting it more and more online um, as we do. But here uh, at Facebook, at Nike, at Google, uh, SpaceX, uh, General Electric, um, because they want to uh, create uh, learning organizations. You know, we're learning. You know, what I, one of the things that I want to say right up front is like, I, I, what I appreciate, and I've said this on stage, is I appreciate, you know, your, the frameworks that you create. And so it's not, you know, just one area. There, there's a harmony, you know, you, you know, whether it's love or family or work or friendship and learning, wealth and charity, it's overall health and, and energy. It's, it's, and so, you know, one of the things that I, I like to focus on is, is how to be able to, you know, say on stage, use this framework to elevate those areas. Um, when it comes to companies specifically, you know, uh, I know the, the most, uh, prop, not just profitable companies, but the companies that really to be able to grow are the ones that value um, constant learning and, and, and the development that human capital is this not only their largest line item, it's their, it's their largest asset that they have also as well. So we have online programs that companies will, uh, will purchase. Uh, when Where can we find those? Where can we find those? They can find that at quicklearning.com and then they can contact for, so generally what we'll do is they'll go there and they'll get, um, they'll buy account, uh, purchase accounts for their teams and they could see their other teams could go through a focus program over 30 days a memory program over 30 days, a speed reading program over 21 days, a speed reading uh, thinking program over 21 days also. So we do it every single day. 
and uh, people that we have, which which we're, we're very proud of. We have, you know, we have clients in over 195 countries there, and so um, I'm I'm happy to send you you know information. But it's quicklearningkidbykidlearning.com. That's awesome. That's really awesome yeah. because so that's the that's the method part, isn't it, of yes. your uh, your model for limitless learning. So do you want to take us through this? beautifully perfect synergy between this model because it it just uh, it doesn't miss any element it doesn't miss yeah. any component and so it overcomes every weakness that you can encounter or every obstacle on the way to learning um it, it's something that I, I feel like is extreme it's elegant um and it's 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 powerful and it's proven and and we're finding this across board so i'll explain it and what i would love for people who are participating in this conversation is to be able to draw this out for themselves and if you've heard me explain it before you know maybe it'll um they'll sink in even deeper now in terms of how you could use it so i'm going to go through it really quickly and all that people have to do is just draw three circles um three intersecting circles uh venn diagram uh kind of looks like mickey mouse with two ears that cross over a little bit and then a face so you have three uh intersecting circles um, people could think of maybe the Olympics, but you have three of those circles. And so these are three M's. And I want everybody to think about, you know, so it's personal to you. Think about an area of your life where you feel limited. Now, being limitless is not about being perfect. Limitless, the book, is the essence of it is advancing and progressing beyond what you believe is possible. And so that really is the goal. And so, but think about an area of your life or you could use somebody else's life that's close to you, a partner, a family member, a teammate, you know, where, where, where they, you feel like you're stuck. You're not making the progress. It could be in, it could be in any of these categories that Sam teaches about, you know, so it could be in, it could be in love. It could be in family. It could be in your work. It could be in your, in your level of, of contribution. What area are you not making progress in where you feel like you're in a box almost? And um, that box is three-dimensional, right? All, all boxes are three-dimensional. So the three forces that keep you in that box, and these are the same three forces that will liberate you out of that box. And these are the three circles. So the first one, and I just made them for simplicity, three Ms. And um, the first one is mindset, mindset. Now, mindset I'm, I'm defining as your assumptions and attitudes about something. It could be your attitudes, assumptions about the world. It could be your attitudes, assumptions about health. It could be your attitudes, assumptions about work. It could be your attitudes, assumptions, most importantly, about yourself. And so what would fall in this circle are things like what you believe is possible would be part of your mindset. What you believe you are capable of, because you could believe something is possible for Sam or somebody else, but you might not believe you're capable of it yourself. Uh, what would also fall in this category is uh, what you believe you deserve. So the last circle, last M, maybe the one on the bottom, is the methods, as you, as you discussed. My, the thing is, is if I teach somebody a method in here on memory, let's say, remembering people's names, to keep it really simple. You know, I think it's extremely important networking, business etiquette skill. Because how are you going to show somebody you're going to care for their future, their finances, their family, their health, whatever it is, their children, whatever it is you have to offer them, if you can't, don't care enough just to remember like, their name. Right? Because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you, you care. But I could, I could show you the method for remembering names. Uh, but if your mindset is, oh, I don't believe I'm capable of that, or I believe I'm, I'm too old, or I have a horrible memory, you're still going to be stuck in that box, even with the tools, the methods. So that's why mindset is important. Now, the second M is your motivation. 
your motivation um, because somebody could have the, the, the mindset that this is possible and they could have the methods, they can know what to do often, but they're not motivated. So they're still stuck in that box again, right? And so when I talk in, the, in mindset, I introduce a term like lies. I talk about the seven lies to learning that are, are generally widely globally accepted um, lies. And when I say a lie, a lie is an acronym, like most of the things I teach. Yes. Uh, limited idea entertained. Limited idea entertained is not necessarily the truth that you're not smart enough or, you're, or that your child is not smart, whatever it happens to be, or, not, or your teammate is not capable enough. But it's a, it's a limited idea that we choose to give energy to and, and think that it's the truth when it's really just BS. Uh, belief systems, right? And so I talk about the seven lies to learning, and it also happens to be the seven lies also for keeping us from accessing more of our, our real potential. Uh, so things like uh, genius is born. Um, when, 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 so I, I introduce the seven lies, and then I also introduce the truth in terms of what the research suggests, and then I introduce a new, uh, more empowering belief that maybe genius isn't, isn't born, genius is built, right? And something that's more empowering. And then because that, if, if somebody just believes that genius is you're either born with it or not born, and I'm not just talking about IQ, I'm talking about, oh, it's just financial genius or their they're, they're, um, they're, they're wealth you know, genius, their cherry genius, their love genius, whatever they're excelling, right? Um, if you feel like it's just innately born, then you're not going to try. It's going to keep you in that box. Well, there's lies also around motivation also, you know, and motivation for most people, it's just a warm bath where you just have to keep on warming it up, warming it up, warming it up. You might get motivated um, and then the next day, you know, you're still not doing the things you know. And I, I'm obsessed with the question, what's the difference that makes a difference in terms of why do some people consistently take action and why do some people who have good intentions and really, really want to, but they still don't do it. And um, initially, Limitless was a book completely on the last circle. It was all on methods when I was about to turn it in. And when I was about to hit send, um, to my publisher, I asked myself a question. I said, okay, this is 28 years. This is my life. I've never put out a book for three decades. Is this, is this the book? Like, is, will 100% of the people who read this book get the results that, they, that I promised them? And my honest answer was no, because it was missing those two other elements to the, the framework. It was a really, it's a really great book on methods on how to speed read and, and solve your problems, make good decisions on how to support your children and studying and focusing and all that, but without the two other things. So I made it three books in one. So motivation for me, there's a formula for sustained motivation and it's P times E times S3. And I'll just give you a brief summary of what this is. Uh, P times E times S3 for those things that you want to, common sense is not always common practice. Like we, we kind of know what we should be doing you know, in these, all these areas that Sam talks about, but we don't do it. And so one of these three things is usually missing. And so let's, let's deconstruct this. If we were going to de design the ultimate motivated human being, like it's like a thought experiment, what are the elements that make somebody consistently follow through? And uh, because that's the only evidence that somebody is motivated. If somebody says, could say they're motivated, someone on your team or, or a child could say they're motivated, or even you could say you're motivated, but if you're not doing the thing. It doesn't matter what you say or what you feel. It's what you're, you know, your example, right? And so my, the first thing I would say is you need the P, which is purpose. And I don't mean necessarily the life purpose. I mean the purpose for doing that action consistently. And so otherwise you're not going to follow through. And I also mean that it's not just 
okay, let's use a simple example like, um, all right, well, the event I spoke at, it was like amazing. It was, it was an incredible feel in the room and then some most incredible faculty on, on, on areas like health and wellness and energy. You know, individuals like, let's take David Goggins, right? <laughs> Astonishing. And so he has a purpose for working out the way he does you know, all the time. And, and it's not just an intellectual thing. And for people who succeed, let's use working out as an example. We all know we should move, you know, and exercise. Um, but we can know the, the benefits, you know, a lot like logically, but that doesn't, we're not logical. We are more biological, you know, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins, where are these feelings? So it really has to go from your head to your heart, then to your hands. Because you could have something in your head about, oh, I should exercise, I should meditate, you know, I should eat really well today, I should prioritize my sleep, you know, do these, these things. But if you're not acting with your hands, check it with the second age, which is your heart. So I believe purpose is a feeling. And it's a feeling of feeling the reward that will come from acting and maybe even the consequence of, of not acting. And if you can't get a feeling on either of those, maybe you shouldn't be doing those things. Like maybe those actions aren't aligned with a value that you hold dear. And so maybe it's, uh, you know, if we're talking about time management or where you put your energy towards, I believe the most important thing is to keep the most important thing, the most important thing. In this case, the most important things are to keep the most important things, the most important things. And so what's the purpose? So then you could feel the, the benefits. Like just as a simple example, I, I saw an acquaintance uh, recently and this gentleman was very unhealthy um, as long as I've known him. And I was, you know, I was just always doing these un everything that you would know you would be opposite you know, of what you should do to be healthy and then he just everyone all, all his family friends always advise him you know just hey you know just you know you should stop doing this and maybe start doing this and uh, he never listened and he ended up having a heart attack and triple bypass surgery and everything and almost lost life and he's and you get out and he still went back to his old lifestyle and then uh, a couple years later i i see him on the street and he's like picture of health uh, I mean, just like he, he looked amazing and he just, his energy just changed. And I had to ask, I was like, well, what, what happened? And because, uh, you know, like you had the heart attack, nothing, nothing changed right after that. He's like, he saw his, um, one day he went into the house and his daughter was crying and sobbing uncontrollably. And he went, he went to see like, what's the matter? What happened? And, and she finds out that she's so worried and distressed that he's not going to be around um, to walk her down the aisle. And, uh, you know, and that that just changed that's purpose, you know, and changed his behavior. He stopped smoking, started eating, started moving, started doing all the things he, you know, he's always wanted to do, but he never felt the purpose. So that purpose. Now my mind went, okay, if somebody just has enough purpose, will they always follow through? And I was like, no, you, they, there's a, there's, there's something missing. They could be missing E. And that E, as you talk a lot about, is energy. Because somebody, let's say they want to work out, I'm using that as a simple example that everyone can relate to because everyone's from different industries and everything and has different outcomes. But let's say they haven't slept in three days because they have a newborn and they're just exhausted. They have no energy. They're not going to be very motivated to work out. Or we know leaders are readers. If somebody has decades of experience like you do and you put it into a book and somebody could read that book in a few days or a handful of days, you can download decades in the days. That's the biggest advantage in life. I can't think of a bigger advantage that if you could take decades and then, you know, download them in days. Um, and so, you know, you should read. It takes about 40, the average person, 45 minutes a day of reading to get through one book a week, the average reader, you know, the average reading speed. Um, so when I say we triple someone's reading speed, we do it in 15 minutes a day where people could read and get more comprehension than, than that, you know, than skimming and scanning and stuff, but actually understand it. But I, going back to this, let's say you wanted to read that your motivation, you have purpose, you feel it, 
but you ate a big you know, processed meal and you're in a food coma, you lack the energy. So you're not gonna be very motivated to study you know, or prepare for that meeting or to read, right? So energy is important. That's why in the book, we talk about 10 keys for, for mental vitality, for people to suffer from, from brain fatigue. And, and my mind went, okay, you have purpose and somebody has energy, will they always be motivated your kids, your team members, they not, because they need that, right? Like a team member's not, and it's a skit, right? Even before this, there's studies suggesting over 80% of, of, of team members aren't, aren't engaged, right, in, in, in the work that they're doing. So they need to find purpose. They need any energy. That's why wellness is so important. And then I was like, okay, will they always be motivated? I was like, no, there's one thing missing. S3, small, simple steps at three S's, small, simple steps, meaning some people can have purpose, they can have energy, but they don't know what to do. Or, or that thing is too big. Maybe it's, uh, I, wanna, I wanna create the, the next million dollar business online, or I want to have the perfect body, I wanna meet my soulmate and, and live happily ever after, whatever it is, maybe it's just too unclear or too intimidating, and a confused mind is not motivated. Confused mind doesn't do anything. So a small, simple step in the example of working out Maybe working out an hour a day is way too big for somebody who's never doesn't do that consistently. Maybe a small, simple step is putting on your running shoes. Maybe that it's um, reading 45 minutes a day. That's like, wow, how do I go from not reading, you know, maybe reading one book a year to reading 45 minutes a day? Maybe that's too big of a step. A small, simple step is opening up the book or reading one line in a book. Because I believe little by little, a little becomes a lot. Inch by inch, it's a cinch. Yard by yard, it's just way too hard for people. And so how can you, and how you get your small, simple step, your S3, or your children's S3, or your, or your teammates' S3, ask a simple question. What is the tiniest action I can take that gives me progress towards this goal where I can't fail? What is the tiniest action I can take right now that will give me progress towards this goal or value where I, I can't fail? Because it requires so little energy, so little effort. And, and after little by little, you start developing momentum. And then, so that's motivation, P times E times S3. So you have mindset, motivation, and then finally you have the methods. And then, so some, now, now we go through a process where people believe it's possible, they believe they're capable, they believe they deserve it. They find purpose in, this, in, the, in reading or remembering or learning or marketing or any area, investing. And then they have energy and then they have small, simple steps. Then you can give them the method you know, which is really the process where mindset is the possibility, you know, uh, motivation is the purpose, then the actual methods is the actual process. Now to put a little, uh, you know, a check mark on this, where you see mindset and motivation crossover, I'm gonna give you three eyes is inspiration. Motivate, mindset and motivation, where they cross over, you have inspiration. And you have mindset experts, you have mindset coaches, you for, you know, for athletic teams, you have mindset, Books, a great book by Dr. Carol Dweck called Mindset. Um, what, uh, it's, it's a must read for leaders, educators, parents, much, much, much read, must read mindset, right? And you have motivational speakers and, and motivational books. And where they cross over, you have something called inspiration. You have inspirational speakers, inspirational books, inspirational movies. You watch an inspiring movie, it changes your mindset about what's possible and it gives you some energy, right? And so it's, it's inspiration, but you have inspiration, but you don't know what to do because you, you don't have the method, right? And where mindset crosses over with method, you have ideation. Mindset is you believe it's possible and you know what to do, but you're lacking the motivation. So it just stays an idea and it's ideation. And where motivation crosses over with methods, 
you have the third eye, which is implementation. Implementation. And I have this right here. I could just uh, show people. So it looks something like this. I don't know if everyone could see this. But, um, but you have mindset, motivation, where all three of them come together, you have the fourth eye. Because with motivation and methods, you have implementation, and so you're doing it, but you can still be stuck in that box because you're only going to be able to achieve what you believe is possible or what you believe you're capable of or what you believe you deserve. The fourth eye is where everything comes together in the middle, and that is integration. Right there in the middle is where all three I's and three M's come together, and you have a fourth eye, which is integration. Integration, like integer or integral, it means you're whole. And integration is just who, it's who you are. And that is the goal for limitless. That's the limitless state. And so I, I, know, I know you like, you like frameworks, and I'm, I'm a big admirer of yours, <laughs> like, especially, the, especially the two of the ones we, we've talked about in, 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 the, in the past. But that, that's how I look everything through. And so if I'm looking to create limitless teams or limitless kids, I'm looking at it through the lens of this framework. Because, or myself, if I feel like there's a gap between where I am and where I want to be, and I'm not making progress, then I say, okay, is it, and this, everyone could do this, it becomes a, a, a tool, a lens to look at through, uh, uh, a blueprint to look through, through where you see it. And it's like, okay, where's my gap here? Where, I, where am I limited? Because most limits are learned, right? I, I was in, in, for people that know my story, like I was in, you know, broken, but I was, I, I was installed. Like one of my teachers, adults said that, you know, that's the boy with a broken brain. And then that label became my limit, it put me in that box. So all, most labels are learned. We learned like our, our beliefs, you know, we, we, we learned our habits, you know, we learned our methods, you know, maybe those methods need to be updated for today, you know, new uh, investing, new, new methods for health, new methods for based on new methods for reading, new methods for memory, new methods. And so, um, so when you are stuck, you could go through and say, is the limit in my, my mindset? Do I not believe it's possible? No, I believe it's possible. Do I not believe I'm capable of it? Do I not believe I deserve it? That, that income or that relationship or that, you know, that this, whatever it happens to be. Or am I limited in my purpose? Am I not feeling that, that allow myself to feel uh, that those feelings of purpose? Or am I limited in my energy? Am I spending time with energy vampires that are stealing my, 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 my energy, my dream? Am I, am I just so stressed and stress consumes an immense amount of energy, like fear, especially what's going on right now, uses a lot of energy? Um, or is it, am I making it too big? Do I need to break it down and just don't, don't overthink it? Like, let's simplify. What are the small, simple steps I can take right now? Or am I just using old methods or unconscious methods that aren't getting me where I need to go? And it becomes a framework for role modeling people who are successful. Because you can say, okay, what's what's their belief about this? You know, what what's what what do they what do they believe they're capable of? You know, what how are they tapping into their purpose? What are they doing for energy and fuel? You know, how what are the small simple steps they're taking on a daily basis? Or what are the methodologies for investing or teaching or health and wellness or learning that they're applying? So um, everything falls in that in that model for me. And that model can be applied now five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. So this is what I love about the, the frameworks within the book because it gives people the blueprint. Like you said, there, there might be a book on mindset that's written in 15 years from now. But if you know how to bring it all together using your models and the limitless book, it's just perfect. Now the good thing about the book, and you are very generous with it, is that you've referenced a lot of other books for people yeah. to read which are relevant for that particular topic. 
Uh, so absolutely love that. So what, what I might do now, if that's okay with yourself, Jim, is just to get some questions uh, yeah, uh, and some of our people. Um, so the first one is uh, from uh, Alex. Alex uh, writes, uh, are you able to give us an insight on how kids' brains work and how parents could adapt to best interact with their kids? That's wonderful. Hello, Alex Blank. I actually see everybody in here, so I see Alex here as the attendee. Uh, it's a great question, Alex. Um, and so, yes, absolutely. I'm actually writing right now uh, two bonus chapters for the book, and we're almost done with them. Uh, we'll finishing them up, you know, this next couple weeks. But it's uh, limitless for uh, for teens and limitless for children. And so these are bonus chapters we're offering digitally. So when people go to Limitless Book and we have their email and file, you know, they submitted their receipt information, we're going to send uh, digital copies to, uh, to, to everybody there. And, um, and so this is uh, what I'm very excited about because I, I, while I love working with adults, a lot of what, honestly, what I'm doing is teaching them. I'm, I'm trying to unravel bad habits and unlearn bad habits of mindset and, and motivation and their, and, and, uh, and their methods, right? Um, and so to be able to work with children before they, um, they, they, they install these beliefs or they install these poor re ways of reading or studying or focusing um, is, is it's a, it's something I'm very passionate about, especially with what I went through. Um, so going back into this, I would, there's so many, touch points for this using this framework. I'll just go through a couple of them. Um, the best thing I, that's been my experience working with children uh, for my whole career for, for almost three decades is, is first of all, is uh, to, to first model the behavior, meaning that the children are always watching and they're going to do more what you do rather than what, what you say, certainly. And so that's first and foremost, because I believe the life you live are the lessons you teach everybody around you, children and otherwise. You know, even in business, you could you could preach something, but it, like uh, like a, a lead man, manager could preach something to his team, but the team knows like whether that manager is actually living it also also as well. So I would start always in alignment with that. Um, going into any part of this book, the three books, you could go into mindset. Um, you know, talking about uh, Dr. Carol Dweck's work. You know, in terms of a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. I know a number of people are familiar with that, but what it fundamentally it's saying you're not rewarding uh, calling children uh, gifted or not calling them genius or something that's um, saying that it's fixed because what happens in terms of the research you know I'm, I'm grossly summarizing this just in terms of time's sake is that when they fail which inevitably we you know we, we do right we don't never perfect then they feel like that, that it's fixed that it's either something that they have or, or don't have you know as opposed to rewarding them for wow that's amazing the, the effort you put into it. You're, you reward discipline, you reward effort, because if you reward and reinforce those, then, um, then we know that, that that persistence and that consistently will always show up so people can be able to produce as opposed to a fixed mindset where they feel like they're either good at math or, or good at this or they're not. Um, and so that would be one area of mindset, you know, for children also in, in the, in the motivation area, it's, I mean, this is a fun area to play in. Um, take any of those PES3s, uh, E especially, energy, you know, a lot of children are, you know, they need energy to be able to, to focus. So maybe they, sometimes they have an abundance of energy, but just, you know, the things that we've talked about on stage that, that you could do for children in terms of giving them the break rate brain diet, in terms of what you eat matters, especially for their gray matter. And there's a whole area of science we talk about in the book called neuronutrition that 
our brains have different nutritional requirements than the rest of your body. Or, you know, also going back to mindset, the negative thoughts, because, you know, that you using terms like if somebody says, child says, I, you know, I'm not good at studying. You could go and help them reframe that. So I'm not good at studying yet. Or, you know, adding a simple word like yet or reframing it into something more positive so that they're aware of their self-talk because I believe your brain is like a supercomputer and so is your children's brain. And if they, if they say something out loud, like, you know, then their talk, self-talk is a program that will run. So if they say, I'm not good at, you know, studying or I'm not good at remembering names or whatever, you won't remember the name of the next person you meet because you program your supercomputer not to. You know, so a lot of areas in, in there that you could have touch points on uh, as well. Positive peer group, you know, we know that we are the average of the people we spend time with the most, including your children, um, that it's not just their neurological networks, it's their social networks. And again, you can't manage all this perfectly. It's not about being perfect. It's just about making a little progress. But you have your children are such great learners because they have these mirror neurons. And as I said, that they are always imitating what's around them most. You know, that's why they adopt the same language, the same habits, the same eating patterns as people they spend time with. And in things like sleep, you know, sleep, you know, sleep is, is a big challenge, especially with children, you know, when they go into school, like the children's brain, especially young ones, they're not really set up to start studying at seven, eight and developed in a way that they're ready to kind of, especially teenagers also as well. And yet we have them on these kind of set schedules. And sometimes you know, we have to make the best of it. And other times, you know, it helps to know your chronotype. Or your children's prototype. There's these, you know, early bird night thing. There's a whole bunch of areas there. So, um, I mean, I could go on and on, but especially in the methods, obviously, there's a lot of methods um, that I would teach a child to give them a, 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 a clear advantage. On that, on that note, I actually might introduce uh, Matthew McCool, uh, who is a school teacher, owns a thriving uh, tutoring business in Sydney's eastern suburbs, and. Uh, mm-hmm. And he, he's a big fan and he wants to um, ask a few questions as well. So Absolutely. I'll loop him hey, in. Matt. Excellent. Thank you for the opportunity, Jim. It's good to see you, Matt. You too, you too. So um, I've loved the 3Ms model, first of all. You know, I've made some notes here and I've got some uh, ideas and questions from students and parents that I think are very relevant to what you're saying because yeah. as teachers and, and parents, I can see where the 3Ms fits in to what we do and, and I think especially at a high branch tutoring, all all teachers understand the methods. You know, I feel like teachers get the methods step right easier than all the other M's because they know what to teach. They know the steps outlined there. And you mentioned that S3. Uh, teachers call that scaffolding, which is when you give, you know, a student a, a giant task or assessment, it needs to be broken up into those small achievable steps in order for them to achieve it. Uh, so methods is easy to achieve and that's what we outline in all our lessons and study videos. But I suppose where it gets a bit challenging is with motivation and mindset. And that's something we are big preachers of uh, in our lessons and programs. But especially with motivation, I find a common question that pops up is, you know, students of all ages in primary school, it's easy to answer the question, when am I going to use this in real life? And it's easy in year seven and year eight and year nine starts to get a bit harder later on in high school when we're, you know, doing trigonometry or calculus or analyzing the works of, of Shakespeare. And I feel like purpose is the number one fundamental because I believe that all our students can achieve success academically. Uh, but where they go, you know, south is, is in motivation. Where do they actually 
see the value in what they're doing. Because if they do, if you get a child that's interested in something and engaged in it, they will surprise yeah. everyone. You know, they will achieve better results than even what we expected them to. Um, what is your advice for children in, in finding their purpose and motivation in school when they have to study something or participate in something that they normally wouldn't select as, as their own choosing? Yeah, no, I, and, and I'm not saying it's, it's, it's interesting when we're talking about purpose, energy, and small, simple steps. It's that simple and it's also that hard. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's not, I'm not saying at all that this is an easy thing in terms of, but it's definitely difficult. And often a lot of the things that are worth anything is, is, is takes effort without a doubt. So let me just frame it that way. Um, so working with, with children, obviously purpose, as you described it, when it, when a child sees the relevancy of something, there's purpose behind it or at a meta level, like they, they could apply it towards something they could see how it's, how, why it's important. And if they can't at that level, at a meta level, it might be interesting as a, as a part of our mindset to, to demonstrate for a child that this whole process is like, we're, we're talking a lot about mental exercise and mental fitness. Like this is, you know, reframing the learning process where children naturally are, are, are very great learners, right? Without any kind of extra training, you know, they, they, they absorb information. They have this natural curiosity or bewilderment about things. They're willing to fail, even if we're taking you know, a toddler, how many times does a, a, a child fall before they learn how to be able to walk, you know, and, but as, and never after the 20th time of falling, do they say, okay, walking is just not for me. That wouldn't make any, any sense, right? Because everyone does, but, but later on as adults, sometimes we'll try coding or karaoke or learn a less salsa and we just try it once or twice. And then we feel like we look bad. So to be able to preserve that, I'm not saying it's at all easy, but having, all learning is state dependent that I, I found. All learning is state dependent, meaning that the state you learn something in gets encoded in the information and it not only helps you to remember it better, but it also it also helps you to be able to, to that state you learn it in is apt to, um, to help you to jumpstart that, that activity. So like when I was, I was doing a, pro, a talk in Silicon Valley a few years ago and afterwards um, Bill Gates comes up to me, he was in the audience and he asked me, um, we start talking to him. I, I asked him at the beginning, what superpower what would it be? You know, and it's like reading, you know, because leaders, readers, I was like, I go, it's like, I totally help you with that. And, and he was like, we started having this conversation about the future of education. Um, and I was talking about from a meta learning standpoint, accelerated learning theory, uh, learning how to learn, which I think is the most important um, thing to teach is, is, uh, is teaching children how to learn so they could apply it towards um, Spanish history, science, any, anything else, right? Um, and then he was talking about it from a technology standpoint, um, it's tools and technology in terms of the future education. And then a whole crowd, I posted this on Instagram, was gathering around us and listening in and somebody says, is there anything missing? If you have the theory and you have the tools, the technologies, you know, what else is missing? And then we came to the same conclusion. It's exactly this. It's, it's human motivation because a lot of people have access to these tools or they know what to do, but they're still not doing it. And so, you know, going back to children, this love of experimentation, this love, and I, I'm really big on play and experimentation as anyone has seen me on stage, right? Make it as interactive. I try to tap into, you know, these games with these, with the, big children, you know, chronologically adults, 
to be able to play and engage. And then often I get kickback from uh, like pushback from somebody saying, oh, I, I stopped playing because I grew older. And I was like, no, you grew older because you stopped playing. You know, and I think it's important for, for children to find a uh, challenge to be able to at a meta level in terms of mindset. Um, we teach them that this challenge is, is normal, that this is something that they should embrace. Uh, just like uh, somebody would, if they're working out, they're exercising their muscle and uh, they're not looking at the weights, upset at the weights. They're using this as, a, as an opportunity to challenge their mind, to get mentally fit, to be able to be playful, to come up with new solutions. And um, I mean, it go, goes back to a lot of uh, growth mindset versus fixed mindset. But I think their purpose could be, be not the actual, it could be actually the learning itself. You know that they're building you know in terms of focus and remembering things and, and understanding things and a love for learning i can't think of anything that would be more important to install in a child than a love for the process of learning as difficult or as as as, as easy as it is you know that, that and a sense of responsibility meaning that i really do believe if i can install something in me as when i was going through my learning challenges i would be that i was a hundred percent responsible for my life because I feel like if a, anybody of any age or stage believes that they are responsible for the world that they are creating, then they have at least with great responsibility. They'll have great power to make things make things better. Yeah, de de definitely, I, I can see that, and that's why in, in a lot of our lessons we incorporate real world activities so that they can, in a fun way, apply what they're learning to a real world task that then makes more more sense to them. But I, I suppose you know nowadays. Um, Students are learning in an extraordinary time, I feel, uh, even compared to, you know, when I was 10 or 12 years old now, everything is so much faster. There's so much more information available. Kids are so busy nowadays with sport, co-curricular, learning a musical instrument. And on top of that, they need to maintain their, you know, social schedule, which used to be a lot simpler. You know, you just go and kick a ball. Uh, but now there's, you know, Snapchat, Instagram, there's all these other networks that are going off. If you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice if you were let's say a student in school today uh what would it be in terms of managing all that with your academics yeah and so my my answer would be it's interesting because a lot of people's mind go to balance and um i don't i don't use the word balance as much because for me it, it's uh, it denotes um everything has to be weighted exactly the same and that's a little bit stressful um but a bit of harmony is an interesting uh, thing for me um, even even what's like just like an orchestra, like not everybody uh, performs the same amount of time, but it comes out as a beautiful art. Um, teaching children that there's an art and science to success and happiness is an interesting idea. Um, and your know, frameworks like uh, like Sam's that he's developed, and I think that should be must-have learning. You know, back back in school, so they could make the most important things, you know, their, their life, their work of art, meaning not, not in just a cliche way, it would be to put energy into the things because we only have our time and our attention, right? Not everything is equal, whether kids or not. We don't have equal education. We don't have equal like networks. We don't have equal amount of money, whatever. We have equal amount of 24 hours in a day, you know, and showing kids that their time and their attention is what their life is made out of. And then what they put their time and energy into is they'll get more of, and so like even right now with everyone cocooning, you know, I, I'm, I'm telling clients right now, I use the metaphor of a butterfly because I feel like we're going through a life cycle. Like when right now we are feel like we're shut in or, you know, physically distancing ourselves and, um, and we're alone with our thoughts and our doubts and our fears and all the, we're feeling alone and all these things. What can you do? And I have a quote in the book 
from a French philosopher that says life is the C between B and D. Life is C between B and D. And B stands for birth, D stands for death, C stands for choice. And that's life. It's a series of choices going back to personal responsibility. And so with, with children having all these options, much more than I, than I had, um, you know, like growing up as a kid, I would go back and just give kids this, a sense that they are responsible. And then there are also consequences too, you know, because part of it is that they have to learn through feedback. And, uh, and I believe feedback is the breakfast of, of superheroes. Um, but, but also realizing that, you know, there is an opportunity cost with every choice and decision that, that we make, um, that we could put, you know, and one part of it is also giving children enough stimulus to see where the, what lights them up. Like even as adults that come to me and say, I feel so burnt out because I'm doing so much. I'm like, maybe, or maybe you're, you're so burnt out now because you're doing so much. Maybe you do, you do you're burnt out because you're doing too little of the things that, 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 that light you up you know, to make you feel alive. And so, you know, with children, giving them enough stimulus and novelty to see where, where their heart, their minds go and their hearts flow, and then helping them to nourish that because what you nourish flourishes, um, you know, as, as, as opposed to for, for a lot of people I know, and I spent a lot of time on the other side, working with seniors um, who, you know, at the later age, you know, stage of life, and, um, and, you know, because I, I work with seniors and senior centers, helping them polish off their memories and such, um, I also hear a lot of regrets at that stage also. And the biggest regret at that stage, going back, is that they wish that they somehow limited their life because of expectations of other people. Like it was like they didn't pursue this relationship because of what people would think. Or they pursued a specific career because that's what their parents expected of them. You know, and, and it's, a, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting road. You know, and again, like learning sometimes like life is messy, right? So we're, we're putting names and labels onto things just so it gives me, take some invisible things more visible so we could have some, you know, hopefully some positive influence and impact on it. That's right. And I love the books behind you. And, you know, that, that just uh, leads on to what one of our students said. And this is how I used to feel when I was in school. I wasn't much of a reader um, when I was younger. I, I liked my science and maths, but I always found reading to be a challenge. I was a slow reader. And a lot of our students have said to us, especially for English, they're reading and they have to reread the same paragraph three times because halfway through reading it, they start thinking about something else. They don't actually absorb what they're reading. Is that because the content's not, not interesting or is there techniques yeah. they can use to help them read faster, like you say? Yeah, there are two things I could give you right re really quick for, for individuals of any ages that, that read something and have to read it over and over again, um, or they read it and then they just forget it or they go back and such. Um, two things that will help you get over that. First of all, there are these lies that I always talk about. There's a lie to reading is that faster readers have less comprehension, right? You would think if I asked you to read faster, you would understand less. Now, we have, we have a lot of data on this, you know, and with students in every country in the world. Um, and so we actually find that the faster readers actually have better comprehension because they have better focus. Um, because here's the thing, your brain is this incredible supercomputer. I'll tell you where distraction comes from. Your brain is this incredible supercomputer, and yet we feed the supercomputer when we read one word at uh, a yeah time metaphorically what we're doing is we're starving our brain and if we don't give your mind the stimulus it's craving it'll seek entertainment elsewhere in the form of distraction so often we are distracting ourselves because we're actually reading too slow 
It's like if we're driving very slow in your neighborhood or traffic, you're not really focused on the act of driving. You know, what are you doing? Your people are sipping their coffee, they're singing, they're texting, they're, they're having a conversation and thinking about the drive. They're doing five things slowly. But if you're racing cars and taking hairpin turns, you have more or less focus. You have a lot more focus. You're only focused on two things, the act of driving and what's in front of you. Same thing with readers. And so one of the ways to get that is using a visual pacer. So literally we've tested tens of thousands of individuals. When you use your finger to just underline or a pen or a highlighter, or a mouse on a computer, that visual pacer will actually help maintain your focus and you'll read 25 to 50% faster. And you'll have better focus because you won't naturally go back and back skip because a bad habit that we picked up back in school is regression and back skipping. Um, so that actually, and don't take my word for it. Everyone should just read for 60 seconds and then use their finger while they read, count the number of lines. And that number will be about 25, 50% lift. Um, just as a quick tip, this, the second thing I would, I would, would help everybody here is the questions that you ask are key. Questions are the answer. And I think in reading and in life, and most people aren't asking the right questions, or at least quality questions, um, even what I'm talking about here, like every single chapter, like in, back in school, remember you had to read all of those paragraphs and at the end they give you the questions. And, you know, just basic test taking 101 is look at the questions first and then read uh, and then, because then there's, there's an answer, there's an answer, there's an answer, because when you ask a question, it stimulates that part of your brain, they call it a reticular activating system, RAS for short, and it just, your, your mind becomes a magnet with every question. And so, you know, in the beginning, you notice in the beginning of every single chapter that we start with very specific questions so people could charge their reticular activating system. So then they're like, oh, that's the answer. That's why habits don't work when some people and some people take this, that kind of thing. And so asking questions, uh, like whether you're reading a book or listening to a podcast or a conversation or a lecture, it's you always have the responsibility to stay curious. Like even if I'm in an audience waiting to go on stage, and, and, and people are asleep next to me because the, te this, the, the instructor, I won't get bored with them. I will be like, wow, I'll be so proud. I'll be like, how's this guy boring every single person in this room all at the same time? That's fascinating to me. And I'll get curious about, about that. Um, and so I would say when you're reading, to get the most out of your reading, if you want greater speed, use your finger while you read. If you want more comprehension, ask more questions. You know, you ask more questions, you get more answers. Excellent. Yeah, I'm so passionate about this because my goal is to make this the most read. It's doing well, really well in sales, but I want to make this most not bought book, but the most read book. Because a lot of people buy books and it sits on your shelf and it becomes shelf help, not self-help. And people are buying a book is a very different skill set than reading a book. And some people are really good at putting books into the card and buying them. Um, but not many people are good at reading them. And my goal is when people go to limitlessbook.com, they get a 10-day like a uh, video audio companion course on speed reading memory focus so that way that when the book arrives their they get they, their skill set is improved in psychology they call it a competence confidence loop that you, and the more competent and skilled you get is something more confident you get like i don't play much golf but if i could play golf like one of the pros i'd be on the golf course all the time with my dad and my brother and everything but I just don't do it you know, because I'm not very good at it. And so it's frustrating. But I was good, just like reading is for a lot of people. And so that's why chapter four, it's actually how to read this book and any other, you know, how to read and remember this and any other book um, ever. Because if you watch Lord of the Rings or read Lord of the Rings, it's like the one ring to rule them all. I want this to be the one book to learn them all. 
because this book will teach you how to learn everything else after that. And I know if a child loves to learn, especially if they love to read, then that's going to be a huge advantage. Like when people see me with pictures of me and Oprah and Elon Musk and Bill Gates and, you know, all, all these individuals that came from a Richard Branson, all that came from uh, our love of reading. Like I bonded with all those individuals over our favorite books. And I realized that that commonality is they, they love to learn and leaders are readers. And so that's why I, I wanted to write this book to help people to, to read more because I want to be an advocate for, you know, Oh, no, that, that's excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jim. That's uh, a perfect way to round off. I can't believe our hour is up and uh, it's a Sunday here and uh, everyone's uh, looking forward to get out into the sunshine. But most of all, thank you for your time. Uh, the book is New York Times bestseller, number one on Amazon. Uh, every day it's uh, shifting higher and higher across all platforms where it's sold. It's an incredible book. It's a beautiful gift that you've given uh, the world because like you said because it teaches us how to read and learn for life and not learn what's in the book it's, it's absolutely uh, beautiful it's as I said it's climbed to my <laughs> it's in the top five books of uh, all time for me uh, I've been a reader for a, a long time and I thank you so much for your time and uh, your energy and you're incredible I could ask you so many questions on how you I, I, I know I, I just want to just thank you and your entire team and family for doing what you do. Because I think in, in times of crisis, this is what the world needs more is they need community. They need people around them that I was talking about a positive peer group, people that encourage them, that challenge them, that serve them, that support them, that cheerlead for them, that believe in them. And if you haven't found those people, then you know my recommendation for some people is to be that person for somebody else. And especially be that person for for you and you know, be that person for yourself and so um you know i believe that going back to choice the power of choice that these difficult times again they could define us or these difficult times can diminish us or these difficult times can develop us ultimately we decide you know every single day and so do not my recommendations do not downgrade your dreams to like everyone's like you know when you're in fight or flight chronic stress and fears suppresses your immune system, makes more susceptible to colds, the flus, the viruses. It's a whole area of science called psychoneuroimmunology. And I'm just saying, you don't want to give in to fear because and this is why, like don't downgrade your dreams to meet this current situation. What you want to do is instead, I offer you another option. So downgrading your dreams to meet this current situation, upgrade your mindset, your motivation and your methods to be able to meet your dreams, to meet your, meet your destiny. But thank you for the great work that you do. Thank you for everyone who tuned in for this on, on, on a Sunday uh, morning to be able to, to share. And uh, my final words are like, I, I, I leave with this, is that I wish your days with lots of life and love, lots of laughter, and, and always lots of learning. Always learning. <laughs> Jeez, thank, you. thank you very thank much. You, Matt. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Now, if you want to stay up to date with all things a higher branch and with the latest information from our incredible faculty of members and contributors, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you'd like to watch things, then head on over to our YouTube channel by the same name, a higher branch, and subscribe to that also. And if you want to go onto our mail list where you will receive even more special premieres and some really special offerings, head on over 
over to ahigherbranch.com and sign up to our mail list where you will receive a free copy of my ebook, Guide to Greatness, but you will also be on the mail list to be the first to receive a copy of my next book, The Circle of Conscious Living, which is due out later this year. Anyway, thank you again for listening and I hope to be with you next time.